On the Aggie Sports Network, from Learfield IMG College, this is the Aggie Coaches Show with Coach Craig Smith, brought to you by Old Chicago Pizza and Taproom, Cash Valley's Pizza and Craft Beer Authority, Macy's, Happy Shopping, Guild Mortgage, Own What Matters, and by Locker 42, your source for Aggie apparel. Live from Old Chicago Pizza and Taproom, here's the voice of the Aggies, Scott Gerard. Hey, hey, welcome in. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Aggie Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. It is the Craig Smith Coaches Show as we are live here at Old Chicago off of 1400 North. Come on by and hang out with us. We will be here for the next hour doing nothing but talking Aggie basketball with the head coach of the Aggies, Craig Smith. Coach, how are you? I'm great, Scotty. How are you? I'm good. How about all those Aggie fans out there? Let's turn let's turn uh, coach around a little bit there. Wow. See, when that thing turns red, that's when we have problems. Uh, yeah, it should always be green. Green means green go. go. Yep. Go. Got to get after it. <laughs> you know, that's, by the way, that's one of my favorite things, too. When you get like a turnover or you get like a uh, uh, a big rebound and you're stomping your foot and you're like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And you know, I'm like, all right, it's business time for coach. Well, you always want to go. You always want to yeah. put pressure on the opponents. So you guys are going to be able to hear from Sean Barristow uh, right behind us here, that wonderful haircut. The it's man a, from down under. It's a good head of hair yeah, on that kid. it is. I know. We're so yeah, envious. I know. Yeah. I know. Um, and he has no problem with that. Every time he touches that thing on a defensive rebound or an outlet, he is, he is Gone. on you. And he puts a lot of pressure on you that way. But, yeah, why wouldn't you always put pressure on your opponent and try to get downhill? i got to work on the foot stomp thing. But I've kind of perfected it. We're really yeah. – like I can really hear it on the, t- on the broadcast, you know, when I watch the game afterwards. Yeah. So – I mean, you got to play to your strengths sometimes. It comes loud and clear over the radio, too. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm always worried that, you know, maybe you're going to get like a stress fracture in there every now and then. Yeah, no, there's, when I buy shoes, you got to make sure there's a lot of cushion there in go. there because you know the foot stomp is going to come when they're dress shoes, especially. Exactly. Hey, we got a lot to break down. We'll look ahead to BYU coming up here in a moment, but uh, a couple games to look back on and uh, certainly a, a really fun week last week. Uh, that Fresno State game. Goes right down to the wire. It's emotional. It's uh, you, you see another three-point shot at the buzzer to send it into overtime. Fortunately, you're up three this time, and and your group really rallied. And I, that's what I was really impressed with because sometimes it's really easy when things don't go your way to kind of hang your head a little bit. And your team rallied and ended up put scoring, I think, what, 16, 17 points in that overtime period and end up winning that game going away. Yeah, it was a great. It was a uh, good week for us. We were able to go three and zero since the last time we were here in Old Chicago. And hey, how about this place too? By the way, yeah. what a great job with the hospitality. The food is amazing, uh, and just an awesome setup. It's a great vibe, uh, without a question. So, but going back to last week, um, the Fresno game, like you brought up, it was just kind of one of those games where, you know, what was it, twenty seven, twenty five at halftime or something like that. And uh, in the second, and I think with about three minutes to go or three and a half minutes to go in regulation, we were one for 15 from the three, and I believe they were um, four for 28. Yeah. Four for 28. So you do the math on that, that's five for 43. And I'm no rocket scientist, but that's not good. Um, those, those percentages are, are very, very poor for both teams. And it was just one of those nights. I thought we had really good looks. I thought we had clean looks and rhythm looks. And um, but it just won't go in the hole. But we were able to kind of forge ahead when we were down eight um, with about eight to go. 
And uh, and then, of course, you know, they throw in the last second shot, literally leaves his hand at .1 seconds and, and hits the back of the backboard and drills the front of the rim and then just some style like a ping pong ball or like a uh, – uh, what's that? The video uh, pinball? Is that what? Uh, yeah. Or is it pong? No. The you know you put a quarter in and you. Hit oh, you're the going way old school. Yeah. 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 Okay. I think it's pinball. Pinball. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like a pinball. Yeah. Backboard bounce, bounce, bounce in, recheck, and I, I, I do. I give our guys a ton of credit to hit the reset button because that was hard to swallow. A, we played great defense for 18 seconds. Uh, B. Uh, it was a very, very difficult shot. C, it banks in. And D, we were supposed to foul. And so, you know, we didn't do what we were supposed to. They threw in a prayer. And the whole gym kind of gets deflated. And But we were able to bounce back, get some stops early. And then I think we scored 16 points in the last three and a half minutes. And we finished the game making 31 of our last 32 free throws. Yeah. And, and uh, I believe went 21 for 22 in the second half. And at the end of the day, that was huge for us. And, and that's, you know, and I brought that up to you in the post game because against San Jose State, those free throws weren't falling. But you're like, hey, you know what? We are a good free throw shooting team. Every now and then you have a bad night. But what you saw tonight is more, more in line with who we are as a team. Yeah, San Jose, we go 11 for 20 from the line. Yeah. And Sam... It you know, goes three, three for six, six which yeah. is almost semi unheard of. Yeah. And um, and but going into that game, we were seventy eight percent on the year, which was one of the top teams in the country. Um, you know, after last night's game, well, after this these last three games, I believe we're number three in the country in free throws attempted and free throws made on the year. And so that's one thing our teams have always been able to do is really attack uh, and understand how to get fouled. And so, um, you know, you go through ups and downs during a season of when you're making shots and then you get in the fl- where you're making everything in sight and then you kind of get in some woes where you might not, you struggle a little bit. And, um, you know, the nice thing about last night, well, we finished making three of our last four f- threes, three for four from the three against Fresno. And then last night we were six of our first 12, got in a little bit of a funk, but kind of got out yeah. of it late. Uh, by the way, speaking of pressure free throws, though, I love the fact that Trevin Dorius was two points away from a double-double, steps up to the free throw line, hadn't been great from the free throw line, and swishes both of them to get his double-double. I thought that was a nice moment for him. Yeah, it was, I thought it was big for him to see the ball go through the hole that way. He gets the double-double yeah. as, a, as, a, you know, as a freshman. And, um, you know, Trevin's a interesting. He, he just has a, a way about him. It was even this summer, and maybe Sean remembers this. We were playing five-on-five, five and – and keeping score, and we were playing games of three, and so you make even if you make a three, it's worth one. If you make a two, it's worth one. If you get fouled, you got to make two free throws to get the point. And it was two to two, and, and Trevin got a deep catch and was about to score, and um, Diogo fouled him. And Diogo mutters like, oh, "Don't worry about it. It's Trevin. He won't make him anyway." And and Trevin, now he said that under his breath. I'm not sure the whole team knew, but Trevin steps up there, knocks down the first. Knocks down the second, wins the game. And he's just got a way about him where he's a fearless guy and just plays super hard. And so that was exciting to see because he continues to get better on a week-to-week basis. And by the way, I wanted to – and I I didn't want to – you know, gloss over the San Jose State game. That was a that was a hard fought win for you as well. And seeing what San Jose State did against San Diego State, frankly, they needed a prayer to beat San Jose State at home against San Diego State. Spartans are uh, they're they're, they're going to cause some teams some problems this year. Oh, you better believe they are. It's a topsy turvy um, 
year, not only in the Mountain West, but in the whole country. Yeah. You know, um, we have an emotional win against LSU, and we all know we were down 21 in the second half, and we were down 12 with, what, seven to play. Come roaring all the way back, find a way to win that game. And then you got to bounce back against a very physical and rugged and scrappy North Texas team. And their record was, I think, 2-4 and four when we played them. But they lose. They're down by one with 30 seconds to go at VCU, who is ranked in the top 25. Um, lose a tight game to Arkansas. Um, we be, end up beating them by, I think, 8 or 10 or whatever it was. And then Oklahoma has to make a shot to go up one against North Texas later. And then San Jose, you know, credit to San Jose. They came out in their zone, which we talked about that they would, and we, Justin Bean scored I think eight straight points against that zone. We carved that thing up and they go back to man and, and, and give them credit. They just changed how they were playing starting with us and they were much more effective. Played more man, played in my opinion, they're better players and just played a whole different brand of basketball against us which, um, which they hadn't showed. And so we were able to, to um, sketch out a win there. I thought we played well. Um, again, we just missed a ton of open shots. Yeah. And, but we defended really, really well. Held them to 19 points in the second half over the first about 18 and a half minutes. And so they hit a couple threes late when the game was for all intents and purposes over. But, you know, and then they go to San Diego State. At San Diego State, undefeated and ranked. And literally San Diego State has to throw in a um, – I mean, a very difficult three at the buzzer to win that game uh, when they were down by one. Yeah. So um, you just never know in this league, in, in this league or any game, you have to be on point and ready to compete every night. And and there isn't one game this year that I can look back and say, you know what, we didn't play hard, we didn't defend very hard. There's been a few nights we weren't great offensively, and I got to do a better job putting our guys in a better position to succeed from that standpoint but uh it's always difficult to win in division one men's basketball uh i know the question you've been asked a lot and uh like i told you in the post game i purposely have not tried to ask you about this because i know that everybody else and their dog was but uh you finally get kata back out on the court and it was great to see him i think kata kata who and namish oh namish kata nimi nimi yeah uh but to see nimi back out on the court smiling and just bringing so much energy out to the court. Uh, played five minutes in the first half, five minutes in the second half. I know he's got the minute restriction, but just that presence, uh, even though he's not 100%, means so much to this team. Well, it does. I mean, he's been through the battles before, and and he's a vocal guy. Um, you know, he's always communicating on both ends of the floor. He's, he's, he's like the air traffic controller defensively, right? He's yeah. just patrolling the paint. He's communicating ball screen left, ball screen right, ice, ice, ice. You know what I mean? He just, he's constantly talking. When we're running a set offensively, he's communicating to everybody what we're doing. And so not only do we miss some of those things uh, physically, right? We all know about um, his how many blocks he's already had in one year and, and the way he can defensive rebound and alter shots. But we also miss just his presence in terms of communicating and passing and and certainly scoring in the block. And so even though he didn't score a ton, although he only played 10 minutes and had six points, I believe, uh, or maybe eight, I think it was six, six for seven from the line, uh, it just gave us a jolt that I think really helped us. He really altered shots, especially his second run. Yeah, He had much more impact on the game. Um, and really helped us kind of go ahead in that second half. And once we did that, 
we semi never look back. <laughs> well, I also wanted to, to point out, too, and you uh, you mentioned this to uh, Lance Beckard in the uh, pregame show that, of course, you know, he, he plays 10 minutes and then you're concerned about what he's going to look like the next day and how's the swelling. And you mentioned that, for the most part, things look pretty good there. Yeah, that's the, you know, it's, it's literally, and everyone's going to keep asking, but it's a day-by-day deal. Yeah. And so um, with some of the live stuff he's been able to do in practice now, and, and obviously getting his first reps in because you can try to replicate a game all you want in practice. It's still just different. The adrenaline rush of the fans and you're playing against other people and then just the speed is that much quicker, right, And trying to get back in sync. But everything looked great. Um, he practiced on Monday. Obviously, we held him out on Tuesday and he, he could have played. Yeah. But we just felt like um, this was the best avenue for him and our team. And so uh, we had an off day today, and we'll be back after it tomorrow uh, in preparation for BYU. And we'll talk more about that BYU game coming up a little bit later on the program. You can also ask questions to Coach. But coming up next, we had a chance to chat with the uh, one of the newest members of the Utah State Aggies, Sean Bairstow. You'll hear from him next. It's the Craig Smith Coaches Show from Learfield IMG College. Welcome on back. You're listening to the Craig Smith Coaches Show right here on the Aggie Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. Scott Gerard alongside Craig Smith and uh, Sean Bairstow, kind enough to join us as uh, we look ahead uh, to next week again, or the end of this week against BYU, and of course uh, try to wrap our uh, wrap our arms around the first start of the season. Ten games under your uh, well, eleven games under your belt. Your uh, the season's a third of the way through. And uh, now we're getting uh, up into BYU and then some more games coming up next week when you hit the road and a lot of traveling next week, Coach, and we'll talk about that as well. But, Sean, it's always kind of nice to get get to know some of our uh, student-athletes here at Utah State. Talk about your path that brought you here to Utah State and what things have been like for you so far. Um, we're pretty much just growing up in Australia. Um, brother went to New Mexico, so it was a pretty good opportunity from the get-go. And then I guess just Coach Smith in Utah State saw me play. Yeah. Um, AU for AUSA Hoops. A lot. We saw you a lot in yeah. AU. <laughs> and then we just took it from there. Yeah. Uh, what was it? Uh, what was it about Utah State that really jumped out at you that made you feel like this is where you wanted to play? Um, it just felt like home, to be honest. I came for the game against San Diego State, and last year in February. Yeah. And the spectrum was crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. After watching that, I pretty much knew where I wanted to be. And uh, you, you're not, as you mentioned, you're not uh, unaware of Mountain West Conference basketball. Mm-hmm. Your your brother played uh, at New Mexico yeah. and uh, had a great career there. And uh, I got to imagine this was part of the United States where you felt really comfortable with. Yeah, I guess. Um, my sister also went here, so I was pretty familiar yep. with the place anyway. So, yeah. Good to uh, so what's uh, what's the, uh, the family games like on the court? Yeah, they're they're crazy. They're a bit too old for me, but yeah. <laughs> so you can you can I mean now you say they're getting old, so you can probably take them pretty easily then, right? I'd hope so. I'd hope so. Your brother have that old man strength though out on the court. <laughs> he would, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, what was it like in the recruiting process for Ben or for Sean? I'm sorry. Well, Sean's a, a, a phenomenal. He's just a fantastic person, and it starts there, and gr- comes from a great family. I was fortunate to um, was it last September. Well, not, I mean, not two months ago, September, obviously, but previously I flew down to Brisbane and spent some time with his family and got to see them in their house and met the whole crew. And 
um, his mom made some amazing salmon. It was like, and I'm not even a big salmon guy, but this yeah. was incredible. And I'm not just saying that because, like, I was recruiting. Yeah. It was actually really, really good. And so, but we had a great time together. And, um, but Sean just, you know, Sean's going to be a very, very good player. He's already a good player. Um, but the sky's the limit. He's, he has incredible vision. He's in, uh, a great passer, really good off a screen roll. I got to help. I got to do a better job with him, putting him in more of those kind of positions. We talked earlier. He's always in attack. Yeah. Like he gets that rebound at six. What are you, six, seven? He, like he told me, when we were recruiting Sean, you guys will love this. Uh, I said, Sean, now really, before I flew to Australia, but we had seen him in AU for quite some time and seen him play a bunch. But I was like, Sean, really, how, how tall are you? And he goes, well, coach, I'm, you know, he told me in meters. How tall are you in meters? Uh, like two or three. Yeah, is that what you go by in, in Australia? Yeah. Or, yeah, meter. So, but he goes, in a, in a, I'm, I'm actually six, six feet seven inches. But if I was an American, I'd be six nine. Because everybody says they're two inches taller than they are. This is true. In America. So, uh, he actually said one inch, I think. But, you know, at his size, you don't see a lot of guys that have his skill level, his vision. Um, he's multidimensional offensively and then defensively he can guard one through four yeah he can guard a lot of different uh, a lot of different guys so you know it's our our system with we, we return a good uh, a veteran group of guards um, and we throw a lot at our young guys like it's probably information overload quite frankly it's not always fair for these guys but you can just really see him Sean turning the corner in a lot of respects right now. When uh, when you're growing up and you start playing, obviously you got family members. Did mom and dad play back in the day? What was where, where did you, where did you guys learn really how to pick up the game and the love for it? Um, mom and dad didn't play, but then I guess because I'm one of seven, uh, the oldest started play, and then from then on it just turned into the whole family family thing. I guess. So, so how many kids? Seven. Seven. Yeah. And where are you at in the order? I'm the youngest. Really? Yeah. So uh, so yeah, you probably got put through the ringer on the court. Yeah, so so at that point, you know, you're you're the youngest of seven. There's really no choice. You pretty much have to play basketball. Exactly. From from the day I was born, I knew what I was going to do. When did you feel like you know what? I'm I'm pretty good at this. Was there a moment? Was there a, was there a game? Was there a, a feeling where you're like, you know what? I can hold my own out here. I'm I'm as good as a lot of these guys. Um, probably when I played AU, to be honest. Um, I knew I knew what it was against like normal Australians, but the talent level was just not even comparable. So. Coming over here, really. I mean, yeah. And you, well. you played in the uh, under nineteen, right? Um, the, no. Oh, okay. No. All right. So I, I know that there's a lot of uh, between AAU and and, uh, and and some national stuff and stuff like that. You, you there's plenty of opportunities, guy, for guys to really learn and develop their game uh, in Australia. And and I'm sure you, you took a, took a lot of advantages of those. Yeah, for sure. We've got a got a lot of good players coming out. Um, the talent in Australia is gone for sure. Really, mm-hmm. the game's really taken off. Yeah, for sure. So what's uh, what's Logan been like for you? Yeah, it's 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 cozy. It's nice. Nothing nothing like too crazy, but it's safe America, so can't complain. <laughs> <laughs> so, coach, how do you see him developing as a player? Well, I think there's a lot of ways he could go. He's uh, you know right now with like our, our offensive sets, he knows. Um, the three position and the point guard position. I think Sean's a guy that can really be a guy that plays a lot of point guard for us eventually um, as he just adjusts to the speed of the game and the athleticism to the game. Um, uh, he's already very, very good in pick and roll. 
you know, quite frankly, with Nimi, you know, Nimiish, obviously coming from Portugal. Nimiish is not only a good player, but he's excellent in pick and roll. And, you know, we yeah. just showed some clips from just the Fresno game, right, where he comes in there, and it was one of, I think it was his second possession. Thank you. Second possession where he sets a ball screen for Sam. Sam turns a corner, and Nimi just rolls hard, and boom, just delivers that pocket pass on right on target. And, and we got to get some of our other big guys to do a better job with that. And that's gonna, those types of things are going to enhance his game. So what, what a lot of people don't realize, it's not only the recruit or the guys in your program. It's like a big just jigsaw puzzle. And you're trying to put everybody in a position to succeed. So recruiting a certain type of big guy is going to really help Sean's game thrive, right? But Sean's going to help a guy like Nimi in yeah. a big-time way, if that makes sense. And Kuba's a good pick-and-roll guy as well. And so um, really the sky's the limit for Sean, and, and we've talked a lot about that. Like I see greatness in him, um, but it doesn't always happen like that right there's an adjustment period there's things that you go through and you learn a lot about yourself and when you're a freshman you're kind of in not only being a freshman but you're away from home for the first time and he's been away from home but for the first time for a long period of time you know and I know he's been able to lean on his brother Cameron um, for advice that you know his brother that played in the NBA for what two years Sean or three years and and obviously in New Mexico and I know he's given Sean some great feedback and Sean's just a very dedicated guy um, in terms of changing his nutrition, right? Being in the weight room and understanding how to keep on weight. Because a very uh, common theme for freshmen is, you know, keeping weight on their body because yeah. naturally they're a lot younger than the other guys. So that's a, uh, a disadvantage for most guys, right? Um, and then just how to get better. And that's, this guy's in the gym on his own or shooting with a manager or with a coach, getting extra work in all the time. It's very, very common to see him in there at 9, 10 at night getting extra reps in. And so he's got the mentality. He's got the mindset. And, and much like you can name a lot of guys in our program, whether it's Justin Bean or Abel or right down the line, if you have the heart and the courage and the want to and the intelligence and he's got all that, he's going to get to where he wants to go. It's just a matter of just continuing that process and really trusting um, where that's going to lead him. Well, and and obviously the other night when you're able to play extended minutes, had to be a big confidence boost for you to be out there for an extended amount of time and really show what you can do. Yeah, for sure. Good to get a feel of everything. Um, yeah. uh, by the way, I did ask, uh, so uh, Ben Fakir last year from Australia, I did ask this because I, I my day job, I work uh, down in Salt Lake City for the Jazz. And, uh, and I asked, uh, asked Ben once, who's the bigger Australian basketball player? Because I was going to pass it on to Joe Ingles because he comes on our show once a week. And, uh, and he said Matthew Delavidova was the uh, most recognizable Australian player. And I'm like, is that you, – you agree with that? Or who do you got? Patty Mills, you got Delavidova, you got Joe, you got Bogut still out there a little bit. Ben Simmons? Yeah, it, it depends where you're from. Um, ben Simmons has grown a lot, obviously, but yeah. Delhi over the last 10 years is probably really taking it for sure. I'm going to pass that on to Ingles. That'll be fun. <laughs> Have you ever met Joe Ingles? No, I haven't, no. Where's he from? Um, Adelaide. Oh, is it? Yeah, I, I think that's what he said. Yeah. Let's get your Australian history down, Barristow. <laughs> what are we doing I'll, here? I'll do my research. You got a horse and pony show. Do you think we're operating here? <laughs> I like it. Hey, appreciate you coming on, man. Appreciate this was it. a lot of fun. Uh-huh. Getting Aussie, 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 Aussie! <laughs> coming up next, we'll talk about the BYU game. Also, take your questions. If you got questions for Coach, we'll do that next right here on the Aggie Sports Network from Learfield IMG College.
Old Chicago Pizza and Taproom in Logan is your place for the best local and regional craft beers and taproom fare. Hungry for pizza? Choose from Old Chicago's Chicago Thick Crust and our Made Fresh Daily Ale Dough Pizzas, all with your favorite toppings. Old Chicago has lots of great options, including handcrafted burgers and fresh salads. Old Chicago has 40 beers on tap, rotating handles, and over 90 craft beers on the menu. OC is the best place for all of your pre- and post-game celebrations. Old Chicago, located across from USU campus, serious craft brews, seriously good food. Celebrate winter in Logan where we do winter rides. Bundle up and take a sleigh ride through a herd of 600 elk. We're home to Beaver Mountain and Cherry Peak Ski Resorts where you can ski, board, or even go tubing. Need some extra adrenaline? Rent snowmobiles at Beaver Creek Lodge. Don't forget Aggie basketball, live theater performances, and way more activities than I can mention in this ad. Hotel packages with dinner for two start at around $85. Check it out at explorelogan.com winter. That's explorelogan.com winter. Blue Square Restaurants has all your favorite food options in one convenient location. Stop by and choose from a variety of eateries, including Bull's Head Grill, Morty's Cafe, and Aggie Chocolate Factory. The surplus of seating options allows you to relax on your own or get together with all of your friends. Blue Square Restaurants is located right across the street from Maverick Stadium. See you there. Go Aggies! Shopping online takes all of the hassle out of buying a car. And thanks to our redesigned website, LHMauto.com, we've made online car shopping even easier. One click shows you every vehicle for sale in the state. Estimate your payments and find a plan that works for you. Learn everything about the vehicle with a Carfax vehicle history and get the real value for your trade. Then stop by the dealership and pick up your new vehicle. Say hello to the future of car shopping at Larry H. Miller Dealerships. Online at LHMauto.com. Need tires but are short on cash? No problem. Come see your friends at Discount Tire. We offer lots of financing options. We have layaway or take advantage of six months no interest, AOC. But wait, do you have no credit or bad? Well, we can still help get you up to $3,000 on SNAP Finance, no credit needed. 895 North Main in Logan, 110 South Highway 165 in Providence, and 728 South Main in Smithfield. Or visit us online at webtires.net. Why rent when you can buy? With Everlight Solar, you simply take the money you already spend to rent power the old way and shift it over to pay for solar panels that you own instead. This saves the average homeowner over $36,000. This is the final year to take advantage of the full 30% federal tax incentive. So it is now or never. Save money, save the planet. Start with Everlight Solar. Schedule your free consultation today at everlightsolar.com. All right, welcome on back. You're listening to the Craig Smith Coaches Show. It's also time for you to ask questions. If you've got a question for Coach, you can uh, let your voice be heard. Uh, just uh, raise your hand, and Ajay will run the wireless mic out to you, and uh, we'd love to hear from you and uh, get some questions. But, Coach, that's a serious calzone. That is a, that's a, and, like, those nachos are big time. Wow. Aren't they amazing? That is impressive. Jeez. I wonder where we can get some of those around. Uh, I know, right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> See where we'll make that happen. It does look really good. It is, uh, it's BYU week, Coach, and I know everybody's fired up. Uh, get a chance to take on BYU, a little bit of a uh, streak uh, that you hope to snap coming up on Saturday. But to do so, you got a really good team you're playing on Saturday. They're excellent. And that's There's no coaches speak. There's no – they're a very, very, very good team. They've, had, they've played a very difficult schedule. 
Um, Yoli Childs, who declared for the NBA draft and then came back, was suspended, I think, nine, nine games, games yeah. uh, with the NCAA for various reasons. And now he's been back and been playing with them for three games. And, um, and they're a whole different team with him. And they're already a good team without him. But um, he takes them to a whole nother level. But he, he certainly leads the way at 18.7 a game. Jake Toulson uh, is a grad transfer from Utah Valley. Um, and every school in the country, Duke offered him a scholarship. Kansas offered him a scholarship. Just go right down the line. Uh, and he, he gives them – so he's, even though he's new to their team, he's very familiar with their system because, obviously, their coaching staff came from Utah Valley to there. So, And T.J. Haas is an excellent player. They have a transfer from Arizona that got cleared to play right away in, how do you say it, Barcello. Yeah. And so those four guys averaged double digits for them. And they just have great balance. They play eight guys, 19 minutes or more a game. Um, they're most of the time on the floor. They have five guys that can all shoot the three. You know, they drive it well. They're a very good passing team, and they defend well. So um, they do. I mean, they're good. They're very good, uh, and they have high IQ guys. They have a lot of guys that are um, really understand the game, have great feel for the game, and so um, we're gonna have to play good basketball. They're well coached. Um, we'll have to play a very good game to um, to win that game. All right, first question of the night. Let's uh, head over here. Sir, go ahead. Hello. Hey, I love the hat. Thank you. My family and I grew up here in the Valley, and we love coming to watch the games. And this is our first year getting season tickets. Oh, thank you. And, uh, and congrats. Thank you. We love coming, and it's very intimate setting. I love it how you're coming around and giving fives after the game. <laughs> And I want to know when you stole that from the soccer team and how that came about. <laughs> you know what? That's um, that's something we've always done, quite frankly. Um, you know, before we got to Utah State, we were at University of South Dakota. In our first two years there, we were in a huge dome. It was the um, – literally, they just threw a floor in the middle of a dome stadium where the football team plays. And so, like, the first five games, we always had to play away from home. That's a whole other story. Anyway, we got a new arena in year three. We have, I was a head coach in South Dakota for four years. And we won our first game, and I just told our guys, let's go around and high-five the crowd. And then I'm like, well, what the heck? I might as well, too. And we just – so we just did. We just started our tradition there doing it. And then and then the other team started doing it. And But it's just a way of um, – I think it's important. Obviously, we did it here, and I didn't know who did it before, if any other teams. It's just something I've always believed in, win or lose. It's a lot easier doing it when you win. It's hard to do it when you lose. Um, but I, I believe in connectivity, and I want our guys and our team to be right in the middle of our community and being a part of that in whatever way that we can, You know, whether it's speaking to small groups or business groups or big groups or whatever. And so that's just a way of trying to build connectivity with our fan base, whether it's the herd or our general population, and to say thank you. Because, you know, I grew up the oldest of five boys. My wife's the second youngest of 10. And we're both kids that were Pell Grant kids. And, and you know, so I, I, I remember being a kid and having to beg my parents to go to a high school game. And it was always like, we can't afford, you know, and like, and then, you know, okay, we're going to go, but you can't have anything from the concession stands. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, I just want to go to the game, you know. And, and so I understand the value of – and you, every, all of our fans have a, um, options and choices of what you're going to support, what you're going to back, 
and where you're going to go. And so that's just some small way of saying thank you. But I also want you and all of our people to have relationships with Sean Bearstow. And I want Sean to have a relationship with people in Cache Valley and, and so on and so forth because I think that is a huge part of the college experience. So thank you, and thank you for being a season ticket holder. That's awesome. Thank you very much. And uh, anybody else have a question, raise your hand, and uh, Ajay will get the mic out to you as soon as he can, and uh, and uh, feel free to ask Coach a question. Uh, when you look overall at the uh, – got a third of the season essentially under your belt right now. Do you have, uh, do you have a, a, a feel for who you are right now? Yes and no. Uh, I, I mean, I definitely do, but at the same time, I'm, I'm just trying to <laughs> just enhance it. You know what I mean? And just get better. I think the one thing we've been really able to do is we, we've defended well with maybe the exception of one game. And um, and we're doing it a lot of different ways. I, I, the one thing I will say is it feels like we have a lot more um, – uh, there's just a lot more um, things that we're juggling. And yeah. I don't know the exact word for that, but, but, you know, essentially we're playing five guys that have experience. And we have a lot of new guys. We're trying to, you know, get Sean in the fold. And, you know, at the time, Kuba in the fold. And Fonz really jumped in there. And now, he, you know, he got really sick. And he hasn't quite been the same as he was early. But part of that might have been his sickness. Part of it is now the scouting report's out on yeah. more. So he's not like a guy that surprises you, right? And so players go through all that kind of stuff. And it's, uh, you know, Trevin playing, the, you know, his first me. So you're trying to get all these new guys acclimated, and by game 11, you should have, a, as a coaching staff, we have a pretty good feel for it, but what do we run for offense? What can they do well defensively? What are our best matchups when they go, you know, when the new guys especially go into the game? But we're juggling a little bit Nemesha's health. And then Kuba Karwowski, who was obviously starting, you know, gets an appendectomy, or what's it called? He, appendectomy. He had an appendix issue, <laughs> right? And so he's out three to six weeks, and I should know more on that tomorrow. So now you're throwing Trevin in the fold or Alfonso, who we kind of recruited to be a three and a four, and now he's playing a lot of five, right? And so there's just a lot of stuff. Um, Sam's been a lot more hurt than I think people realize. Diogo gets a high ankle sprain against um, San Jose. And you can see you can see the other night Abel Porter having a really difficult time breathing. And I, I should stop right there. We don't need to give the medical report. But, yeah. like, I just feel like there's been a lot more kind of juggling, if that makes sense. Yeah. And we've had a lot less practice time, yeah. quite frankly, because our, our um, season has been shortened by a week, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it really – adds up at this time of year and so um um so anyway it's been good this week now during finals week the guys need to be locked into that but we've been able to take two off days and i think that's going to help us get our legs back to where we need them another question go ahead sir yeah coach just wondering uh you talked about a little bit with the injuries and the sicknesses that you had but are you are you the type of coach that has you have a set rotation that's what you play regardless of the opponent or do you kind of mix and match depending on your upcoming opponent and what they do and what they do well well, I like, I mean, it does kind of vary. You know, we obviously, like, we, we started, when Cuba went out, we started Fonz against um, St. Was it St. Mary's? Yeah, St. Mary's. And then against San Jose, we started Trevin, Darius, right? And then against Fresno, we went back to, to Fonz. And a lot of that was just what we thought were our better matchups, you know, uh, to take advantage of our strengths against theirs or neutralize their strengths, just depending on. Um, I do like to, and you know, yesterday we started Diogo and Sean was the first off the bench. So, like, it kind of varies, but at the same time, I want our guys to have a feeling of routine 
and get a rhythm of understanding kind of when they're coming in, when they're not. I think that makes them a better player because they just get a feel for the rotation, so to speak. Now, once that kind of initial thing kind of goes, then it's just total feel. Like, who's playing well? Who's struggling? You know, and you and you ride the hot hand a little bit, right? When I say ride the hot hand, it's not necessarily shooting. It's like, man, Diogo is super active tonight, right? And um, against... Um, against uh, Fresno, we put Sean in at a different time than we normally do because I thought, quite frankly, two of our uh, – because Sean played very well in the first half. And in the second part, I thought two of our guys were struggling. And I thought he gave us a really good three- or four-minute run right in that kind of middle of the second half where we started kind of climbing back into the game. And so it just kind of depends on feel that way. Um, the Fresno game um, – Nimi's minutes restrictions were up. We put in Fonz. Fonz played for maybe a minute, but he I didn't think he was great that night. And so we did something different. We just played four guards and being at the five. Yeah. And that's all we did the last five minutes of regulation and the whole overtime. overtime. And we had I don't know that we had played five minutes of that lineup the whole year. So that was just kind of a feel thing, like, hey, we're rolling with it. Let's just play the the five guys that are probably playing the best tonight, and let's just figure it out. And that's the beauty of having – we do have big guards. You know, that's why I love big guards. Like, Sean's a big guard. Brock Miller's a big guard. Sam at 6'5 is a big guard. Diogo's 6'6, six, six, big guard. But then you have a guy like Bean, who's 6'6 six, six to 6'7, six, but he plays like he's 6'10, right? So you can't kind of get caught – it's easy just to put um, players in a box – Right? This is what you are. And I don't believe in that. Like, you know, I, I just don't think you can do that in basketball. I think that can limit you when you do do that. So a lot of it's, uh, after that initial run, a lot of it's just feel for the game. You know, I wanted to talk about Justin Bean because he's had such a remarkable season so far. And, you know, you and I grew up watching NBA basketball. Ever bas- seen him play the banjo? Stop it. Oh, yeah. You're kidding Is me. it the banjo or ukulele? It, it, oh, the ukulele. Maybe it's the ukulele. Yeah. So the ukulele, not the banjo. Sorry. I was never very good at music. No, no. You're all good. Except for drums. You just hit them as hard as you can. That's usually how that That's goes. That's all you got to do. But anyway, sorry. <laughs> but, we you, know, we, you know, you and I are kind of roughly the same age and watching NBA basketball growing up. Why do I look so much older? Uh, no. I don't think that goes the other way. But, uh, but you know, you remember Dennis Rodman before Dennis Rodman became a sideshow. And he just he, he was rebounding everything in sight. Yeah. And I remember watching Paul Millsap at Louisiana Tech. He, the dude was just... Are some guys just born? Is rebounding kind of a something you're born with? I think there's definitely a lot of that instincts and a nose for the ball. Yeah. We try to, and obviously we did not recruit Justin Bean, but but we decided to play him. And yeah. He's got an amazing. He just has a nose for the ball. It's like, and I, I use a lot of football analogies, but you know, not everyone's born to be a middle linebacker. Like those dudes just are seat, you know, heat sinking missiles to the ball. Yeah. And Bean is just, uh, he's just gravitates to the ball. It just finds him all the time. And part of that's instincts. Part of that, though, is just effort and quickness, too. Yeah. Um, like we said at, at halftime the other night, we have 11 offensive rebounds. Yesterday, we have 11 offensive rebounds. Bean's got four of them, and Trevin Darius has four of them. Well, it's not an accident. Those two guys are just relentless with their effort all the time. And so, uh, but Bean is. He he's got so he's he's got excellent two foot pot. Justin Bean and Sean Bearstow have our two highest verticals on our team. Sean, what's your vertical? What is it? Thirty nine point five. 
uh, inches on his vertical. Sean and Bean are tied. And, and, of course, there are two finalists in the dunk contest. Oh, actually, Kubo is in there. Yeah. But, um, but he's, got, he's so quick off his feet with two feet, right? Some people can run and play off of one, but when you have to a lot of times score in the paint off an offensive rebound or a shot goes up and you're flying in there, you got to jump off of two. You're not jumping off of one. And he's just so quick off the floor, he just beats everybody. Nate Grimes at Fresno, number 32, is the same way. Uh, and those are probably the two best offensive rebounders in our league. And so, but for him to be averaging over four and a half offensive rebounds a game is unheard of. Dennis yeah. Rodman at his peak was like about three and a half in an NBA game where you're playing NBA minutes. And so that, that, that is just, it, it's just, it's insane. If you get two, two or more offensive rebounds a game, you are in, in a rarefied air, and he's doing four and a half. So he's having a monster impact on the game in so many ways. Well, and it always seems like every now and then when maybe the offense bogs down a little bit and, uh, you know, a shot goes up, and all of a sudden, there's the offensive rebound. There's the putback, and the crowd gets back into it. I mean, just so many of those emotional plays out there seem to springboard your offense, too. Yeah, I mean, offensive rebounding. I think offensive rebounding steals for a dunk in transition and certainly threes. Like, those are such big momentum swingers. You know yeah. what I mean? It just changes the pendulum and changes momentum in a, in a, in a monster way. And and he's been a part of a, of a lot of those plays this year. And... and and the back half of yeah. last year, of yeah, course. Yeah, no doubt. Do you guys uh, do you chart deflections? We do. Because um, i got to imagine Diogo's got to be oh, number he, one. He's insane. His hands are so – he's just um, – <laughs> he's so quick twitch with his hands. I, I don't know that I've been around a guy quite his level that way. The, the play he made at the end of the Fresno yeah. game where we got up six and they tried to run a – we call it timeout. They try to run it. We call it a sprint to slip where their point guard has the ball and they're sprinting their shooter. I think they were sprinting number zero into a, a ball screen and then slipping it, and they, and they try to throw it back. And, and our guys were well-versed. One of the hardest things to teach and to learn is how to defend that play. And because the way we found the best way to defend it is you got to actually leave the ball to go switch it, and you got to just totally trust the guy that's talking to you. Unfortunately for us, it was Sam and Diogo in that play. Well, they're two of our best communicators, two of our best defensive players, and they trusted it. And Diogo trusts the switch, right? Leaves it and closes out on the high side because we know they're trying to pick and pop it. Gets his hands on it. We steal it. They got a foul. And game's basically over. the game's over. Yeah. And so it's a hard thing to teach. Just tipping and deflecting. That's a big thing when we said when we got hired. Gata, right? Yeah. And taking charges first on the floor, tipping and deflecting the ball. These things are hard to teach. It's so much instincts. And you got to recruit to that and you got to find a way to play those kind of guys because they make an impact on the game in ways that don't always show up in a box score. Take our final break, come back, wrap this thing up. Uh, it's the Craig Smith Coaches Show live here at our good friends at Old Chicago. Great pizza, great food. We'd love for you to come down here, hang out with us. You're listening to Aggie Basketball from Learfield IMG College. All right. All right. 
Welcome on back. You're listening to the Craig Smith Coaches Show right here on the Aggie Sports Network from Learfield IMG College. Scott Gerard, Craig Smith. And uh, just a few minutes uh, before we wrap this thing up. Hey, I read a story from Seth Davis today, uh, a column from him. I want to get your thoughts on this. And I haven't had ch- I was I meant to ask you this in the offseason, but the three-point line gets moved back a little bit. Scoring's actually down in college basketball. Have you noticed that? Is that is that create uh, – I don't know. Yeah, I mean, your scoring is, is still pretty high, but – uh, have, have you noticed that change the landscape of basketball? Oh, yeah. I mean, a lot of prognosticators are thinking it was going to space the floor and do all that. And Scoring it go up. I was very uh, – <laughs> we as a staff are very much like we think it might be going the other way because not you know, tried. teams are defending a little bit different and making teams do some things maybe they don't want to do um, as readily. Uh, keys of the game. What do you need to do to against uh, to to play well against BYU? Well, we got to play. I mean, we just, we have to play well. Uh, you know, they just they have so many weapons, and when you have five guys that can really shoot it, and and they can play, they have two different five men that can that can stretch it out. So we gotta we got to do a good job controlling tempo. They get out in transition, and they can let that thing fly. Um, we got to make them earn every. You know, we're gonna make mistakes. Like it, it's never gonna be a perfect game. Yeah, but we got to really. And I don't want to be cliche-ish, but we got to really minimize stuff and really understand personnel and have great positioning on the defensive end. And then offensively, we got to find a way to make to make some shots and just uh, play our game and do the things that we do. But we got to really make them guard and um, and have poison. You know, last year I didn't put our guys in the best position. Last year uh, I didn't. You know, I just didn't think I helped them nearly as much. So we got to do a better job as a coaching staff to help put our guys in a better position to succeed but they're a team that can really score in bunches you know they don't make a ton of mistakes so you gotta you know when you play two good teams going at it like this you know they think usually the team that eliminates losing the best right and doesn't have careless turnovers and makes good decisions and just makes teams um, earn baskets time after time after time you know I think generally finds a way to win this kind of game uh guys uh does it throw your shooting off a little bit going to an NBA arena like that with the uh you know, with the uh, – and that one's it's not overly dramatic and vivid as, yeah. as it is in some places, but does that alter shooting at all? Uh, I mean, I don't think so. I mean, it's all the same. I mean, and our guy, a lot of our guys – five of our guys, I guess, played in that yeah. environment. We're going to have to get used to it. We're playing – uh, in an NBA, the Jazz Arena on Wednesday, that, or excuse me, Saturday, and then the Houston Rockets Arena on Wednesday, and then the Florida Panthers Hockey Arena on uh, the following Saturday yeah. against Florida. So um, it'll be good. We'll have a shoot around in there the day of the game, and um, we'll be ready to roll. So crazy we're week. excited. Crazy week next week, no doubt about that, but a lot of traveling coming up for your team. A lot of traveling, but great opportunities against three very good teams, and, and, um, and so, you know, we're going to find out a lot about our – uh, about our team in the next um, 12 days or so. Enjoy the game coming up on Saturday. If you haven't got your tickets yet, make sure to get down there and uh, enjoy the game. Should be a fun one, and then great games coming up next week as well. That wraps it up. The Craig Smith Coaches Show from Learfield IMG College. Go Aggies!